Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete, two-year starter, consummate glue guy, and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders helps its clients find the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders will be in close communication with you personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. They have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. After an amazing vacation, we're back at you with some golf course intel, fresh takes on what's going on in the wide world of sports, from the newest golf rivalry to mid-majors avoiding high majors and hoops, fan misbehavior, the return of open recruiting, and a sprint full of fun get-to-know-us facts. No sense wasting any time. Let's go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, after a week off, uh, we're back ready to go, recharged after a good vacation, but yeah, uh, for this week I'm going to talk about what you just said. Uh, recruiting is officially open again. The dead period is over. Uh, it's been about 15 months, dating back to last March when the pandemic hit. And uh, we're finally back to normal with recruiting. And uh, schools are are ready for this. Uh, a lot of football teams are having, had midnight madness last year or last night for uh, recruits, which is kind of crazy, bringing over that basketball mantra. Um an October thing, not really a June thing, but still pretty cool. Uh, I think this is really big for teams as well as recruits. Recruits can now have closure as well as um, the t- programs. Um, definitely programs will take advantage of this. Michigan State, for one, will. Uh, Mel Tucker hasn't had a chance to get guys on campus yet, and he gets to do that, and that he's going to have a lot of success. I have a feeling he's going to. Um, but, yeah, glad that recruiting is officially open again. Um, it's been too long, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens now with um, NIL and all that good stuff um, on the plate here in the next month. Uh, so, yeah, just glad to have stuff back to normal and uh, recruiting is back. Let's go. Yeah, recruiting is back. It's funny because when I was probably Ryan's age, I followed it a lot closer. I don't follow it very much anymore because I've got him to follow it. But I am equally as excited that really for these kids that they get a chance to be back on campus. Um, You know, I think about even though we were a small school in it, we still took some trips, you know, when Ryan was being recruited for basketball. And, you know, it means something because you can hear or see or whatever one thing in pictures and Zoom calls and whatever about a school, but until you go there and see it with your own eyes, in a place like Michigan State, um, you know, it has an advantage over a lot of campuses because it's beautiful. It's huge. Uh, the facilities are great and only improving and getting better. So um, I'm also excited. And I think that that's kind of a, that's the wild card for Coach Tucker is that I think he's going to be really good at selling guys once he gets them on campus. My take 
no real surprise if you've listened to the last few podcasts because we uh, love our golf and there will be plenty of golf today. Be forewarned if you're not a golf fan. Um, I got a couple different takes around both involved Brooks Kepka actually. First, I'm just going to kind of pose the rhetorical question. Brooks and Bryson. Um, I can't recall such a heated rivalry in the sport of golf. I mean, some people may say Phil and Tiger, they didn't really trade barbs. I mean, social media might not have been quite as big back in the early 2000s, but still, they weren't flamethrowing each other. I mean, the stuff back and forth last week, if you missed it, Tom Brady weighed in uh, because of the match that's coming up, I think, in July. Um, You know, is it good or bad for golf? I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely... It's entertaining. I'm sure people will kind of take their sides. I, I'm i kind of neither really a Brooks or a Bryson fan, to be honest. I mean, I'm intrigued by the way they play golf. Um, you know, and there's plenty of good talent out there to keep attention. But I guess as Tiger and Phil age out, um, maybe that's what golf needs is, is a rivalry. I mean, there have been rivalries for sure. Watson and Nicholas, Nicholas and Palmer, you know, throw a player in there, Trevino in there, and some other guys. But I don't know if anybody really had the um, spewed kind of the total disdain outwardly that these two do. Um, And keeping on the Brooksy thing, um, you know, one thing that's not great for sure for golf was kind of how Brooksy reacted to being swallowed by the throng at Kiowa on 18. Look, I understand his knee concerns. He claims somebody, you know, tried to ding him on purpose. I don't think that people would do that. I really don't. Um, especially at a major, I mean, maybe at a place like, you know, the old Buick Open in Flint or maybe at the Waste Management Open when people, it could be the Wasted Management Open. Um, I, I don't I don't know about that. Um, and, I, and again, I get his concerns. I mean, the, the PGA was not ready for that. You know, fans with all this pent-up emotion, especially with the story that was going on, they just were not ready to handle the fans. It was cool to watch, but even Phil was kind of freaked by it. And you could see somebody kind of reach out to him, and he kind of gave him a little bit of chicken wing elbow, like, get the, you know, what off me. Um, but all that said, Brooks has got to hold it together better in that presser afterwards. I mean, he's he's dropping, I don't think he dropped any F-bombs, but he dropped, you know, definitely some profanity in his press conference. It wasn't a good look because it also came as across to people like me as sour grapes like look you just played really poorly on Sunday because Phil didn't play great he was one over um you you lost slash got beaten you know whichever way you want to take it um I just don't think that's a good look I mean golf's supposed to be a classy game you're in the spotlight so you got to keep it clean look I understand there's hot mics and there's things like Justin Thomas which I think are one thing that's a little bit of BS because when you're in the heat of competition and you're really not in earshot of anybody um, and you're caught, just happen to be caught on a mic saying something quietly, that's different. You know, I don't care because I swear. It's not a huge deal to me if people swear on the course, but, you know, there's little kids around. You know, we heard a story, I think it was actually um, when we played at Harbortown last week from our four caddy who, you know, followed. Bryson around once for a tournament with his wife and then eight-year-old and he dropped an f-bomb and they were clearly the only ones around because this was before he was who he is and just you know kind of the mark that that made on his daughter um you know I'm not a huge fan of it there's a time and a place for it obviously I get it heat of the moment competition you're in their battlefield or whatever but not in the press conference Brooks that's just not a good look for you um and then you add the 
the leaked footage that was very well timed, I think, to keep the spirits high. Um, it was interesting at the PGA uh, for sure. Just want to add on. I think I want to see a Brooks and Bryson fight. That'd be kind of cool, a little wrestling match. Two big guys going in. I think that'd be that would be you know. I'd pay for that. And to give a little history too, I think it it kind of started when. I think Brooks got on Bryson about either slow play, slow play or yeah. something like that and it being so anal retentive with his analysis. And then, you know, Bryson fired back when I think it was last year or so. Brooks was in like the body issue of ESPN Magazine or SI or whatever and called him kind of doughy and blah, blah, blah. And that just, it's kind of heated up from there. And do yourself a favor, even if you're not a golf fan, look up all the memes that are out there. I mean, they're hysterical. The original video itself is. I mean, it's like something straight out of a teenage movie where you know, the rivals don't like each other. But anyway, um, moving on to our tee-up of the week, I'm going to tell you who or what, and Ryan's going to tell you why. And the who is fans, in particular, of late NBA fans. Ryan, tell us why. Yeah, so obviously fans coming back in the stands, great great to see. Um, but there are some fans that think they're immortal um, just by having a ticket. And uh, particularly in NBA games here in the last few weeks, uh, first one that comes to mind was the Russell Westbrook thing. He was leaving, um, then someone threw popcorn at him, got all mad, um, understandably um, why. But uh, And then I think it was the other day, some fan ran out on the court and got tackled during the Wizards-Philly uh, game. That's just not a good look. That's just some drunk idiot. Um, and then... Someone threw, who was like, who else got? Boston threw a water bottle at water Kyrie. Water bottle at Kyrie, that's right. And he got arrested and banned from the arena. I think something happened um, at, at the Atlanta as well, honestly. There's just, just been crazy. I know, like, people, I know that you haven't been in the stadium a while. Maybe you forgot the rules, but come on, shape up. That's not good. It's not a good look. Um, everyone knows that we're excited that we're back towards normal but just keep it together um and hold it together it's that's the few that always ruin it for the most you know the majority are perfectly fine and thrilled to be back in the stands but come on you morons i mean i don't know how you check morons at the door but i can tell you just historically in the sponsorship field i mean we used to have to wonder about what kind of things we would give away to fans when they would go into arenas for fear that it might become a projectile. You know, oh, chapstick, that'd be a great idea. It's winter, it's cold here in Chicago. Nope, that could be a projectile. So people are just dumb, especially people who drink um, and are dumb to begin with or dumber yet. You're talking about Boston, some classic angry fans there. I don't know, uh, would have been, what, the Brooklyn with Westbrook and then in Washington. I mean, there's just idiots, so... Shape the F up, sit down in your seat, or give your seat up to somebody who's not going to make a fool of themselves, all right? All right. That all out of the way, let's go as we usually do around the world. Again, be forewarned, we are pretty golf heavy, so if you want to hit snooze for um, you know, this section and just skip to the sprint, go for it. But we've got some pretty good stuff to share, uh, especially for those who are even mildly golf fans. So first, um, let's go back to the PGA and talk about the PGA Championship. Um, how how do our respective foursomes do? Thoughts overall? I'll start with this one because Ryan kind of led for the next topic, and I want to let him take off of that for spot two. So in my notes, looking back, I had uh, John Rahm um, as probably my winner. 
Um, he he fared okay. I think he was what top fin, he was 10, there, 15. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was up there. He's never really completely in contention, but he was there. Tied for eight. Yep. Xander Schauffele, I think he missed the cut maybe yep, by cut. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Tony Finau and actually had a decent amount on him just to yeah, also take top five, and I think he was close to top tied, ten. Tied for eighth as well. Yep, yep tied for eighth, and then Ricky Fowler was my long shot, um, and he was top ten, tied for eighth, I think, right? Um, you know, and then I had uh, Billy Horschel, who was another one of my long shots, and he actually he didn't come close to winning it, but he I think made the cut as well. So just from that perspective, I did okay there, but overall, oh, and the other thing betting wise is kind of funny because we've talked about it here. I have five dollars at on Phil at plus fifteen thousand, but to win the U.S. Open, not the PGA. It sucks. <laughs> Would have been nice. Would have been nice if it was that one because I did more than bet the dollar. Like I teed myself up for a few weeks, but just overall, I mean, if you're a golf fan, whether you watch every tournament or bits and pieces of tournaments like Ryan and I of every tournament like Ryan and I do, you're a religious watcher of the majors and then maybe the TPC and a couple of the other big ones. I mean, if you had any affinity for golf, you could not sorry, help but I'm having trouble. You could not help but love. Sorry, Siri uh, didn't like my conversation. Um, you could not help but love the story there with Phil, uh, fifty years old, oldest major winner ever. Now by I think a year and a half or so over the the previous record holder. Um, you know, Phil's a fan favorite. Some people who aren't Phil fans would say, oh, it's fake, whatever. I disagree. I think he's a genuinely good dude. Um, I think he's ultra-focused on golf. You know, Ryan and I were talking recently about how, you know, a lot of guys, when they get older, they start focusing on their other golf career, meaning, you know, developing golf courses. You know, for some of the guys maybe who didn't have as much success on the PGA Tour, they're all in on the Champions Tour and things like that. And Phil just stayed the course, activating calves, you know, fasting 36 hours a week, drinking a lot of coffee, um, and, you know, admitting that focus was his issue, and, and he was totally focused. And it was just, it was a thrill to watch. You know, it was, it's funny because I've been around it enough, and I've always liked Phil to know that you kind of ride the roller coaster with him. And, you know, U.S. Open wise, right? Six runner ups. And so you, you always wonder when the wheels are going to start to fall off. And Ryan definitely wondered that out loud, especially when he started off with what a double on Sunday in the first hole. Um, and I think at one point it was crazy. The now the broadcast crew said that he and Kepka were something like minus five best ball through like eight holes or nine holes, and they were plus eight worst ball. I mean, that's how epically roller coaster like it was. Um, but it was fun. The golf course is amazing and definitely going to be on our list to play. It was great to see fans. The fans bring energy. I mean, if. You can say all you want that, oh, fans don't matter, even at things like golf or whatever. BS. They do. I mean, you saw it. Phil feeds off the fans. Um, and it wasn't a full capacity, but just just to see that event, the weather, being down in that area for the last half of that um, on vacation, uh, you just you couldn't have written a better story. The only better story would be for him to cover and win the U.S. Open to cover my $5 at plus 15000 but... I mean, you just you kind of had lots of storylines. It wasn't a runaway. You always hope that it's not going to be a runaway. Um, yeah, just a, a blast from the past, and you know, to see Phil get a win, and we'll rank it up there with uh, how Tigers, you know, won the 2019 Masters a little bit later on as a little teaser. But 
Yeah, those are my thoughts on the PGA, Ryan. What, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, overall, I just thought it was a great tournament. Really fun to watch. I, I watched, kept my eye on it from the minute it started on Thursday until last hole on, on Sunday, which was really cool. Beautiful course, lived up to the billing, um, played hard, harder than I thought it would, honestly. But fair. Yeah, but fair, exactly. You know, just you saw people struggle. We also saw them, you know, take advantage of downwind, the wind and all that good stuff, but... Feel the thrill does the improbable, turns back the clock. Um, my favorite golfer of all time, um, Tiger's like he's like one A and then Tiger's one B. But um, just what an awesome showing it was! Um, you know, just so fun to watch him fight through bad holes and then get really high and then get really low at times. I mean, fans brought the energy, which is really cool to see, um, cheering him on and just kind of getting him there. Um, you know, really, really good leaderboard up there. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Again, Louis Heisen uh, finished tied for second. Brooks finished tied for second. Those are two big names. Obviously, Brooks was dueling with them. Um, Louis played really well. The whole tournament, Potty Harrington was going for his third. Um, and he's, a lot of old guys. Yeah, a lot there. of old guys. He's almost 50. Um, finished tied for fourth. Really cool. Shane Lowry uh, up there as well. Harry Higgs, the big rig. Up there, Paul Casey, Answer, Rose Morikawa. I mean, the list goes on and on. It was great to watch. Um, you know, just just some great golf, and I'm I'm just so happy that this it was the way it was, and it was at that at Kiowa because I think that that was the perfect spot for um, a great major tournament to happen. Been really looking forward to the U.S. Open here in a couple weeks at uh, Torrey, uh, but go, getting back to my foursome that I had picked, I picked Rory. I uh, thought he had a lot of momentum, which he did, but he didn't play great. Um, you know, he I think he got to one under or even by the weekend, made the cut, but didn't didn't play great. I think he finished see at uh, five over for the tournament. Yep, five over, 75, 72, 74, 72. It's not great by Rory. I'd picked him to win at let's see what the score was at uh, nine under, so not close. Uh, Spieth also played okay. Like I said, I thought it was going to be feast or famine. I, I said top 10 or missed cut, but he was more around middle of the pack. Did make the cut, but didn't play great. Uh, my third was Morikawa, finished tied for eighth. Uh, one under par, had a good showing. The Webb Simpson fighting through injury that I did not know of, so maybe I wouldn't have picked him before, but he did okay. Um, you know, I think he was even for the championship, which isn't terrible, um, especially for fighting through an injury. And, uh, yeah, just really fun to watch. Interesting to see big names like DJ and Xander and JT miss the cut uh, and Tommy Fleetwood, so not great there. Um, but, you know, we'll fight through. Maybe Dustin can get another U.S. Open. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to the next month in golf. Some big turns memorial this weekend. Like I said, U.S. Open coming up and then the Open over at Royal St. George's uh, next uh, July. So looking forward to that. Yeah, before we skip out of this topic, too, and get to spot two, a little shout-out to, I think, is it Ben Cook? Yeah, Ben Cook. Yeah, uh, From Cook. Yankee Springs, um, golf mecca of Michigan. Um, that's very tongue-in-cheek. I'm pretty sure that's an absolute goat track, but it probably affords him a chance to practice an awful lot, and he was low PGA professional for the tournament. So uh, hats off to fellow Wisp Michigander um, from down there at the Yankee Springs Golf Club in Wayland, Michigan. Um, all right, moving on to spot number two, and we'll jump off of the golf bandwagon here for a minute. Um, 
Ryan, mid-majors are coming out suddenly and saying they won't schedule the big boys in hoops anymore or they're going to be hesitant to because they don't want to become a, quote, meat market for the portal. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm going to start with a tweet here by John Rothstein. This is from a week ago today. Word for word, uh, sources, multiple mid-major programs are opting to not play guaranteed games against high-major programs because it gives power conference teams a free live evaluation of future players who could move up via the transfer portal. The level of separation has never been greater. Uh, when that I saw that a week ago on the golf course uh, between holes waiting for some slow pokes, um, I was very, very surprised, but also not surprised to see this. Um, you know, I wonder if mid-majors are bluffing. I, you don't know, but because I've seen reports that are kind of going against that by other guys. But I, I can see why. I mean, a lot of these uh, mid-majors that are really good, that are playing, and they have good players, um, play, obviously, away games against high-major programs. And if a guy see, likes what he sees um, at, say, a guy's playing Duke and he plays for Radford and he's really good, does really well there and they're like coach K says hey you know you answer the portal you know what we could uh we could use it next year might have a spot and then they could have that in their brain kind of tamper the system in a way uh which is not great for basketball but yeah I, I just don't know if this is really a thing because these mid-majors are getting paid a lot of money to do this you know so I, I don't know if that if they would really opt out of a check just because guys might be able to move on, jump ship, and go go bigger. Um, but yeah, this is a really interesting piece of um, of information that um, people probably have thought of before, but has never really been public knowledge. So, be interesting keeping our keep our eye on this moving forward uh, with scheduling coming out, especially as the summer comes about um, for the season starting. And I think it's 161 days out from. Day one, Rothstein tweets every day. So, um, you know, I, I just this is just weird. Um, I don't think anything will come of it, but yeah, you never know. I mean, uh, mm, just weird, weird situation. Yeah, I think I think what it does is it probably forces the NCAA's hand. Look, I mean, we've talked about it here before that they're. This is potentially wrought with a lot of issues, the transfer portal and the free, the total free market. And, you know, we've been pretty clear about what we think about it and, you know, some parameters and some rules about it. If we were in charge, will the NCAA do anything? Who knows? Because they're about as just slow on the uptake as anybody, you know, could even imagine for a governing body like that. But I think it kind of forces a, a you know an, a raised eyebrow that it could change the dynamic and the landscape of how the game is played a little bit um, because you know a lot of your preseason so to speak is really based off of you know those low mid majors you know for Michigan State it's Oakland it's the Mac schools and things like that but um, you don't want that to go away because the, that's money in the pockets of the smaller programs that just aren't going to drive that money. Um, it's a little bit of a rest for a Michigan State from playing, you know, like they may be playing this year, Duke and Villanova and, you know, Gonzaga and Carolina and Kansas all at one time or whatever it is. Um, I, I, I almost think it's a little bit of that. There's some smoke from the mid-majors, you know, the big mid-majors, we should say, the ones that are, you know, kind of contending a little bit and making some noise like the Loyolas of the world or the Wichita's. Um, 
And rightfully so, I think, because I don't blame them. If it's going to be a completely free market thing, and then you know a mid-major or a lower major all of a sudden becomes your new IMG Academy or your prep school, that's not what the you know the intent of college basketball is or college sports and amateurism. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how all of this pairs together. The NIL stuff, um, the transfer portal. Yeah, we had the COVID wild card. But eventually that's got to stop, right? Um, I, I, st- I still think it can't just be a f- 100% free-for-all, but there also can't be what it was before, which was you get to play, you get to play, nope, you don't, nope, you don't, yep, you do. Well, maybe we'll wait and see and then decide after the season starts, no, you don't get to play. You can't have that either. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. I know that there's a happy medium. Uh, I, for one, like those mid-major, high-majors because it's a great setup for what kind of matchups you might have in the NCAA tournament as well. So um, just another problem that the NCAA needs to fix, and hopefully they will take care of it. All right, spot three. And I warned you, we're admittedly a lot more golf-heavy this week, partially because we played a couple of gyms in Hilton Head, and then uh, we played a little bit of an out-of-the-way track here that's an annual journey for Ryan and I here in West Michigan. So we're going to start with that one. Ryan will go back and forth like we usually do. We're going to start with a review of the falls at Barber Creek located in Kent City, Michigan. It's actually kind of in the middle of nowhere. Not a not a very long track by any stretch. I mean, from the blues, it's just over 6,000. It's a pretty, you know, you know, nothing too super fancy. A um, couple of tough holes mixed in. Happens to be the home of where on Memorial Day weekend a couple of years ago I had my one and only hole in one. Um, so that's part of the reason we go back there. So it's a it's a once a year course for us um, because as we found out on Sunday um, of Memorial Day weekend, playing behind even a foursome playing two two men scramble that would wait on every gr- tee box till the green cleared. Not just par threes, not the couple of drivable par fours that were not drivable by anybody in their group, uh, even if you gave them 100 balls and a lucky shot. Um, you know, so five-hour round aside, that's the first time we've kind of had that. Ryan, I would love, um, and I'll chip in on these two, what's your overview of for our fans who might be looking to play at the falls at Barber Creek. Yeah, if you're looking for a, a course that is not overly expensive, um, you know, most every other time we've played there, it's been very, very good with pace of play, never really too busy. Um, usually viewed as a hidden gem in West Michigan, maybe not so much a gem anymore. Parking lot was the most crowded I've ever seen it in the five times I've played there. Um, and it's gotten more crowded every single time I've gone there, but... Yeah, not a, not a bad track at all. Um, kind of a fun little set, like you said, not overly long, but pretty pretty cool. Good mix of holes, um, links. Tight, it's kept up yeah, well. Yeah, there's it's nice and green. Um, you know, rough is in good shape. Um, greens are in really good condition. You can tell that they do some TLC there, which is nice to see. Um, yeah, good mix of holes in the woods. You know, some that open up a little bit, and then some total links ones where the wind comes into play, but. Yeah, overall, I think it's a it's a good course, um, fun one to play. Um, you know, definitely not one that you want to play all the time, but for once, one to two or three times a year, not not a bad track at all. So if you you're looking for a good one, um, in West Michigan haven't played it, uh, give it a shot. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll add too. If you like to fish, um, not that they would 
probably condone this, and I'm not a fisherman, but holy hell, we saw like just literally standing in kind of a shady part of a pretty big connected pond, lake, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what did we count at one time, Ryan? Like 18 pike that were a good two feet plus. You know, I saw quite a few bass in the ponds while we were waiting. It's kind of clean water. They falls at Barber Creek. They have a man-made waterfall, so it keeps the water flowing. So, you know, if you get bored in that five-hour round uh, behind a bunch of yahoos that decide to, I think we had Napoleon Dynamite in front of us. We had, you know, formerly Bob, No Buns Bobby, who had the butt implants or something. <laughs> I don't know, but if I was a fisherman and I had a fishing pole, I could have probably caught caught my share for the year uh, while there, too. So uh, for a polo who doesn't play golf, you'd probably dig just riding in the cart and casting a line here uh, every once in a while, probably six or seven holes on on those those ponds um you know my overview similar from ryan's you know it's definitely a course we make a point to play every year um you know i felt like this year is the first time where it's more of kind of the the wall-to-wall short fairway if you will so not your traditional shave it down but a little bit more on the water conservation a little bit more on the um kind of like true link style where you your your first cut of rough is your knee deep stuff so it's a pretty wide sweeping fairways um but kind of gives you a little bit more of less of the tight lie so for average golfers who sometimes struggle maybe to pick them off the tight lie if you're a picker and not a hit down on them type um greens are in good shape course overall is in really good shape they could have used a ranger to increase increase the pace of play but that's all i would say about that um Ryan, what would you say for best hole there? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot of good holes, not necessarily like a signature one. I mean, the one that you had a hole in one on. 13, 13, baby. But I like 14 a lot, the one right after. Par 5 downhill, uh, back towards the big pond that we were talking about, slash lake with the waterfall in the background. Good hole. A um, little bit of a dog leg left. Um, but, yeah, fun one to play. It's pretty um, so it's definitely my favorite one. Yeah, I'd say 13 for me, obviously, because I had a hole in one there. It's a great downhill par three, kidney shaped green. They did a nice job, kind of like making, filling in a what was kind of like a swampy pond with a bunch of boulders. So if you're a little bit right, your ball is gonna pinball who knows where. Um, didn't play it particularly well this time because I couldn't quite clear the rocks. I took the long route instead of the intended route. Um, I think my probably my second favorite hole would. be be 16 which is a pretty good par 4 water all down the right and where they have you tee off from the back tees or the blue tees there again at only 6,000 yards we played the tips there there's a giant tree in the middle so you're forced to either cut over that water um, and cut off a lot and hope you hit it straight or take it out to the right or take it out to the left and and hope you don't hook it Um, so it's kind of an interesting hole there a hole you change replace or skip if you could I would go on that first I don't know if there's anybody any holes that I would particularly skip because it's just kind of a good mix I mean you have some that are a little bit longer tighter holes some that are shorter wide open you could drive them um I don't know if there's anything off the top of my head that I can really think of that I would get rid of not not in particular I mean can you think of anything no, that you change or place I think or skip? It's a, like you said a good mix um yeah nothing and there's usually always a hole that I would say, no, get rid of that. That's a that's just a filler hole or whatever. But, I mean, for what that course is, I, I think they've done a really nice job with that, I would say. 
Um, and real quick, Ryan, um, you can just shout out your numbers or if you want to rate them. A one to five for greens. Yeah, I'll give the greens a 3.8. Scenery. Uh, I'd say three and a half, some good mix in there. Um, variety is our next one. I'd say, I'd say that's a four. I think that it's pretty good. Like you said, short holes, long holes, shorter par threes, longer par threes. So that's, I like that challenge there. And overall, I'd probably give it about a 3.8. Uh, definitely a good course, but not close to anything. Yeah, and I'll, I'll cast aside my hole-in-one because obviously I'm going to have a little bit of bias towards a course where that happens. Um, but for greens, I actually think the greens are in really good shape. They're, they've got enough roll to them. They've got shape to them. They're pretty small, so they're, it's not like they're super easy to hit. You know, I'll go, um, on, I'll go on the four scale for greens. For scenery, I mean, it's it's up there in God's country, uh, you know, slight bit of roll to the area. Um, you know, I mean, the course itself is is fine. It's I'd say it's a three point, you know, three to a three and a half. It's nothing spectacular, especially compared to some of the places that we play in our kind of yet rate. Variety, again, good mix, some longer, nothing super long, which is actually kind of fun once in a while because you feel like you're you know you can maybe get home on a par five and two without hitting a couple career shots so for variety reasons you know i'd I'd definitely give it probably a four again for what it is uh and overall i'll go three and a half i mean there's there's a lot of better courses out there but again there's a reason why we keep going back we're going to look for a one of their two-man tournaments later this year just because it's it's a fun enough course to play not gimmicky fun but just fun because it's it's just different than a lot of the things we play here in West Michigan. So, so that is that the falls at Barber Creek, check it out. Um, it's, it's worth, it's worth the drive, uh, at least to play one time. I will say at this point in time, they weren't an issue, maybe probably cause we had a frost that morning, but the deer flies around this time can get pretty bitey. So stay out. Uh, and so can the chiggers. So get out, stay out of the weeds and you'll be all right. All right, spot number four. Next, let's take a trip to Palmetto Dunes in, on Hilton Head Island, specifically the Robert Trent Jones course. Ryan, give us a little bit of an overview on the RTJ course. Yeah, the RTJ course, uh, the ocean front course, they call it down there. Um, yeah, really good track. Um, first Robert, or one of the first Robert Trent Jones course I played second, or first one was the Heather up north um, at Boyne uh, Highlands. And uh, I'd say that this course was, it was a good mix. You know, you, you, if you were just dropped blindfolded, I mean, you could obviously tell you're in the south because of the warm weather, the sand, the way the water is, the alligators around the palm trees. But a lot of the holes were very similar to what you'd see in an up north Michigan course, which was mm-hmm. kind of cool to see um, in, the, in the south down there, which is, which is really cool. Um, you know, I think a really good mix of golf holes, you know, like you said, length. Um, you know, we talk about that a lot. Length, um, different, you know, dog legs, um, bunker positioning, water positioning, uh, shape of green, speed of greens. You know, the Bermuda is a little hard to kind of judge. You know, I still don't know what I was doing. I just kind of went with the, the light in every hole. You know, just went for the hole and, and aimed for the, where I wanted to and prayed they would go in. But yeah, just a, a fun track. It was a really hot day when we played, but. Played with a really nice couple um, from from Georgia, um, but yeah, that's my initial thoughts on it. Um, just the scenery on it was really cool. Some nice houses, um, you know, just 
in, in water, which is really cool. Yeah, definitely a course that I would play again because we will go back to Hilton Head. Um, you know, pricey, but hey, down there, everything's kind of pricey. They've got gotcha. you. You know, not a whole lot in the way of on the ocean, so you're not thinking like, you know, Pebble Beach or anything. But like Ryan said, a lot, a lot like playing the Heather. I mean, tree-lined, one huge difference that I appreciate, um, and it's probably a lot of the manicuring, and maybe it's just the area too, but with those tall Georgia pines or the southern oaks, you know, kind of lining the, you know, the sides, it's all pine straw, and there's no poison ivy and tall weeds that you lose your ball in. I mean, it's easy to find your ball. It can be a little tricky to play out of the pine straw. I learned a good trick from a, a caddy in the next round that we'll talk about, but um, agree, good a good course, um, you know, good company with the, the couple from, and her being originally from Iowa and him being from Maryland. And, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get when you get, get paired up, but, um, made it enjoyable. Um, we'll get into variety a little bit later, but you get out towards the ocean and it changes, you know, you kind of have like one through seven in the woods, then you're out towards the ocean and your link style, and then you're back into the woods. You know, there's kind of the lagoon system that's intercoastal waterway that's all over the place. Um, you know, it's it's lots of good things to look at. Um, you know, definitely a, a fun course and a pretty typical Robert Trent Jones course, I would say. Um, and I'll go on for best hole. We've got the scorecard in front of us. I mean, you really have to go with number 10. I mean, that's the, that's the quote-unquote signature hole, the ocean hole. It is a pretty stiff par 5. That day was into the wind, so the wind was coming out of the east. Um, you know, a long par five, huge green. Like, I was on the front of the green in three, and I barely was able to three-putt to save a six. Um, just, you know, scenic when you get to the end. It's when you first kind of come out of the woods, so you get a different look. Waste bunkers. Um, like Ryan said, the Bermudas, that is a trip. Uh, although I've... I think we both putted okay over, yeah, the, over the week. Um, just kind of hard to get the feel for, you know, exactly where it's going to break and the subtlety of it all. But, um, yeah, best hole, I would definitely say number 10. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, you know, 10 is the obvious choice. It's a signature hole um, going towards the ocean. Really cool view. But uh, I'll, I'll go different than that. Number 8, uh, par 3, mm. um, right next to the road there. Big pond in front of the green. Huge bunker. The pin was left. Uh, back left uh, the day we played, so we didn't have to go over the bunker or challenge that at all. But I mean, when we, when we drove by it a couple of days, it was right behind that bunker, and that's a sucker pin. Um, that's know. one thing about the RTJ courses, too, if you've never played one, at least the ones I've played, the greens are enormous. Biggest greens I've I mean, ever seen. I, they are, they're huge, so you can be all excited and happy that you hit a green, and, and then at the same time, especially when you factor in Bermuda. You're three putting and you're mad, but at the same time you're like, well, I just three putted from like you know 110 feet, so um, that adds a whole another level to it. And then you throw in the wind factor because you know Ryan and I don't play any rounds of golf where it's not nope. It's always where it's not every time. Um, And whether it was ocean breeze or whatever, uh, definitely you know fun from that perspective. So Ryan, if there was a hole you would change, replace, or skip if you could, what would it be? Yeah, I, like you said about the falls, I don't think there's a hole I would skip. I think they're all unique in their own way, and I enjoyed all 18 of them. Yeah, I would say, I mean, this is more tongue-in-cheek than anything, but I maybe 18 because I was, 
looking to finally crack that 90 barrier that I've been floating around for the last several rounds and get back into the 80s um, and tripled the last hole, which looks like an, uh, you know, an innocuous short dog leg left par four, which a cool factor is they've got a camera that films you from your approach shot in and then kind of as a gimmick to get you into the bar, but you can go in afterwards within 10 minutes and watch yourself come in on the last hole while you drink a beer, which is kind of a cool idea. I made a mess of that hole. Um, I talked to my buddy who lived in Hilton Head after that round, and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, on 18, if you haven't played there already, don't believe it, hit a three wood, you'll be a lot better off than trying to hit a five iron. And I wish I would have had that advice to begin with, but I really wouldn't change it because it was a great hole. I would just change the way that I played it. All right, Ryan, scale one to five uh, for the greens. Yeah, I... I 4.3 greens were really nice, uh, rolled really well, even though they were Bermuda. Yeah, I, I would definitely give them a four, four and a half as well. Um, huge, pretty receptive, pretty forgiving. Bermuda's tough, but that's not on the golf course. That's on the golfer. So um, scenery, I'm going to give that, uh, I'll give that a four just because, I mean, it felt like up north they had the one peak at the ocean um, which was cool some stuff again around the kind of the intercoastal waterways there so I, I'll, I'll give that a good four how about you for scenery right? yeah i'll go a four as well um variety i would say um you know again in the woods you know more linksy and then back in the woods but with some water sprinkled in i mean variety wise i got to give it a four and a half it it really it kind of messed with your mind with where you were but it changed it up enough where you know, for a new course, for something that you're paying a pretty good penny for, um, it felt different enough uh, over and over again that you just didn't feel like you were dropped somewhere else, which is pretty cool. Uh, but it, yet the mix of familiarity, there was one hole, I want to say what, Ryan, 16, 17, we both said was just like a, a hole at the Heather yeah, um, I think it was 16, up in, at yeah. Boyne. Um, how about for overall, Ryan? Yeah, I think that I'd give it a solid four and a half for overall. Obviously not the best course I've ever played, but it, it's up there. It's It was a fun one to play. Um, glad we did it. Yeah, I would definitely, um, I'd probably give it a, I'm more apt to go with the halves and whatever, but I'd probably give it a 4.25. It's not quite up there, you know, for probably what I expect. It'd probably be a top 10 course for sure this year. Maybe top five this year. It's not a top five all time for me. Probably not even a top 10, but... It was a really good course. It's a course that I would definitely play again, and that's always the mark of a good course is one you would be willing to dole out uh, triple digits to go and play again. All right, spot five. Hang with us if you're the, the golf crowd. You'll like this one, um, and if you're not, you know, whatever. Just keep snoozing through it. You'll be fine, but there's still you might find some interest here. We're going to stay, no surprise, in the world of golf, our fifth and final spot. Got to save the best for last. We teased it i think on our last podcast we're going to chat harbor town golf links home of the rbc heritage since what like 1962 or so i think it was ryan we saw so yeah in the locker room course ranked number 16 by golf.com for public courses that you can play uh not cheap um caddies available four caddies required um so you're doling out the money plus you got a tip of caddy but let me just say eric shout out to our uh, back the blue friend from former New York State Trooper of 20 years, recently retired with his wife in Hilton Head. Um, sounded like he played a fair bit of of junior college golf and then went to UCF and and 
it didn't quite pan out for him. Then he went away from the game for quite a while, probably as he was uh, growing his career as a police officer. And then within the last six or so years ago, I think he said he really kind of picked it up um, again super knowledgeable, super friendly. If you've never played golf with a caddy, or in this case, a four caddy, um, really helpful when you're playing a course like that. Now, from the course perspective, obviously they do it because they want to keep pace of play up because you can kind of get caught, you know, just looking around in awe. Um, it, it is that beautiful. Um, you can also get caught looking for your balls or messing around near alligator ponds that you don't want any business with. <laughs> we didn't see any behemoths, but... He told us a couple stories, so, um, but, you know, just made it that much more of an enjoyable round just to kind of, you didn't have to dink around getting yardages. He gave you your yardages. I bet you between the, the three of us that played, shout out to Shane for playing with us too. Um, you know, we probably each had three or four occasions where there's no way we would have found our ball and he knew exactly nope, where it was. Exactly. Uh, just, you know, knows the bounces, knows the trees, knows the yardages. Doesn't presume you want to have your greens red, but asked you if you wanted them and would never just assume after you asked him once, he would always say, hey, I'm available if you want me to. Um, spot on every time. I mean, I made I made a couple of good putts strictly because of the line he gave me um, that I would have been off on. So that helped with the Bermuda grass. But, you know, so for that, that aside, um, just a tremendous experience. I mean, probably the most expensive round of golf I've paid for out of my own pocket. I've played Kapalua, but I didn't have to pay for that. So that might be more expensive than Harbor Town. But I mean, from the clubhouse where you go in and you can go in the locker room and you can see, you know, they still had all the lockers up of this year's guys. So we took some pictures of the lockers. Um, you've got like a portrait sketch painting type of thing of every winner in the history of the RBC, you know, placards on the outside. And I mean, just it's everything that you would imagine that a course like that would have. And then practice facilities that are better than most of the courses we probably play. But I mean, I'm not even scratching the surface. So I'll let Ryan chime in on, on an overview on Harbor Town. Yeah. The die Nicholas, um, design did not disappoint. Um, I'll just open up with this. It was by far the best course I've played, and I've played some pretty decent courses, um, but not, not as many as you. Um, but Yeah, but we talked about, like, we've played Oakland Hills together. That mm-hmm. was a, That's obviously hosted a Ryder Cup, a PGA, maybe US, US Open. Open. Yeah. Great course, definitely up there. Obviously, we were spoiled with, like, Arcadia Bluffs here in Michigan. Phenomenal course. You know, I've played some – I've played Kapalua. I've played – Pelican Hill, you know, I've played some good courses out like that in California, but I would agree with Ryan, best course I've ever played and the most pristine course I've ever played. Absolutely. I mean, it's so green. It's not the prettiest, I'll say, because a lot of the holes are you're kind of in the woods, like, and it looks totally different when you play it versus like if you look at the drone footage of when they're playing the RBC. I mean, from up above, you're like, holy hell, this is a tight. And it doesn't feel quite that bad when you're playing it, although we're also not playing it from the tips. Um, we played it at, what, the whites at like 6,300 or so with a lot of wind. Um, but our caddy said that it was um, playing every bit as firm as it did a month or so prior for the RBC. Greens weren't as fast on the stint meter, but pretty close and they were slick and man if you didn't hit the right club into those greens they were not super receptive because they were so firm so that was fun just to play a course that was in 
PGA Tour condition um, and just, you know, cut out probably the most dog legs I've ever played in my life, left or right. Just, you know, cut out of basically sea pines, which is the name of the plantation there, sea pines and the oaks. And, um, yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. And even for the price of it, I'll get the question, would you go back for 400 bucks? Yes, I would. It was worth it. It was that good, of course. Yeah, it was every bit as hyped up as it should be, and um, even even more so. I, I think it's underrated, honestly. I mean, I haven't played the 15 course in front of it, but I'd like to see those other courses, uh, the 16th, because that is yeah. it was a gr- great golf course. It's so fun to play, even if it ate our lunch. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you we'll put that caveat out there. Do not expect to score when you go there because unless you're playing a career round, a career round, you know, for me would like a career round. A best I've shot is a 79. A career round. So if you think about that, no way. I mean, our goal was to le- legit break a hundred with as tough as that course is, and unfortunately for me, um, after I smoked the best three wood of my absolute ever loving life but like 40 yards over the green hit it like 270 on 18 i took a seven there because my chip back which i thought was good ended up down on the junk I had to take a drop i mean it is that hard of a course and so that that blow up in the last hole actually the last couple of holes which are really tough um you know had me shoot a one-on-one and ryan shot a one-on-one but i think if you put that aside and just enjoy it and know that you're playing a course that these some pros don't make the cut on i mean it's 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 pretty remarkable, I would say. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable golf course. Um, go through, I, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about each one because it, it's a five all the way around for me. Um, just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I would say so, and Captain and Izzy are weighing in because one of their golden retriever friends is running around on the golf course we live on, so apologies for that. Um, you know, it's hard to pick out on a course like that the best hole, too. It's clear to say 18, you know, the lighthouse hole. That's the infamous hole. Widest fairway on the tour. Um, that's pretty spectacular. But 17, too, I, I guess I didn't really realize as much that that came out of the trees and was more towards the sound. I mean, that is a legit tough par 3. Or the dogleg par 4 that's before that. Or the dogleg par 5 that's before. I mean, the last four holes are brutally hard but are absolutely incredible um golf holes and like if i could play those four and just those four over and over and over the rest of my life i'd be fine you'd have a five a four a three and a four it's just spectacular golf holes um absolutely a five for me for greens for scenery for variety and overall i'd put it right up there if probably the best course that i've played and again i've not played them all in the top 16 or the top 100 um, but I've played, you know, at least a few, and we got a lot more to play, and, and maybe that will change when we get to play the Whistling Straits or the, uh, what's the, Sand Hill uh, yep, in Sand Wisconsin Hill, or yeah. Abandoned Dunes, or we go over to Ireland, Scotland, England, and play. But um, if you've got the chance, if you're in Hilton Head and you're willing to spend some money, it is absolutely worth your four and a half hours, 100%. All right. Let's end, as we always do, with a sprint. Speaking of golf, Ryan, better win. Phil's major at the PGA at age 50 or Tiger's win at the Masters in 2019? 
love them both, but I think Phil's is more improbable, especially with how he's played the last few years. Not as much on TV these days, sports-wise, so you get to pick one and only one to watch for the next couple weeks. NBA or NHL playoffs? NHL playoffs. I uh, was watching it last night. So fun to watch. A little off the beaten path, but maybe in sports. Dream job. Yeah, I'd say uh, this one's a little thinker, but I'd say front office for Detroit sports team or in the MSU athletic department would be pretty cool. Nice. And because we were just on vacation, best vacay spot. Yeah, Hilton Head's up there, but I, Maui's the best. All right, so I'm going to get on my sprint. Uh, better win, Phil's major at age 50 or Tiger's winning the Masters. You know, this was a debate on social media recently, and everybody's like, oh, Tiger, for sure. I don't think so. Um, Phil at age 50, there's a reason why it hadn't been done before. Plus, Phil's just generally a better dude, I would say. No offense to Tiger's golf aside. Um, he's done some not-so-up-and-up things. So, for me, Phil's major at 50. Um, NBA or NHL playoffs, it's NHL playoffs all the way for me. I don't even really know any of the players. The Red Wings are not in involved, but still kind of gets the heart rate up, gets the ticker going. Um Dream job. So this is a tougher one for me, and I haven't even have any notes on it. Um, I would say, like, if I could pick now something to do, it would be um, really a sports information director, I think, because you get to do a little bit of this, talking sports with people. Um, you know, it's getting into the stats. It's all the different stuff that I like. Um, so I would say an SID at, like, a Michigan State or something like that. I just I feel like that would be – a job that ties together my love of sports um, and my skill set in marketing and communications. Best vacay spot, I mean, you, you have to put Maui on its own pedestal because if you haven't been, you need to go and you'll agree there's no place better on earth unless you can get to like Bali or Fiji or whatever, but that's, or the Maldives, but that's that's not likely. So we'll, we'll go with a, with a 1A to go with Maui because that's an obvious, and I said it this week to the fam, um, I got Hilton Head. Um, the golf, the beach is incredible. The weather was great for us. The food, those are the three things that matter the most to me when I'm on vacation. So um, I'm going with you, Hilton Head, in South Carolina, my, my home away from home. All right, Ryan, throw us some final social media reminders. Yeah, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter at the Final Score 35. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're back, like we said at the beginning. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. And shout out to all of our veterans and those who uh, uh, um, have fought for us and lost their lives um, in the armed forces. We appreciate you. Um, Day late after Memorial Day, but uh, we appreciate all your service and all you've done for our country. Absolutely. And shout out to cousins Mike and Dave who are still at it for the United States Army. Uh, Pretty high ranking. And we are free and have the freedoms we have because of you. that's it for this week. Uh, Ryan's going to be off to Maine here soon for his indoctrination to a corn fairy tour event. But uh, we'll still keep this thing going, even as he's from a remote. That's the beauty of Zoom. There's going to be plenty in front of us sports-wise to chit-chat about. If you want to hear anything, um, you've got ideas, you've got takes, whatever, please do share those with us on social media. Uh, the more we can kind of drive to what you want us to talk about, the happier you are and the better off we are. So please keep it coming. Thank you again to Team Anders Realtors, our presenting sponsor. 
Learn more about how Team Anders can help you with your realty needs at teamanders.com. Meantime, yeah, I always felt a man's grip on his club just like a man's grip on his world.